Welcome to Interchange. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Pettit. Interchange was founded inside of Bond, the embedded finance company. This podcast is a place for conversation, questioning, and open learning about the future of embedded finance. We have two special guests this week, Craig Lewis and Ethan Austin from GigWage. Craig, CEO at GigWage, is the first voice you'll hear. The second voice you'll hear is Ethan Austin, the chief strategy officer. Ethan was an early investor at GigWage and ended up joining the company, so we decided to all chat together about the future of work. GigWage is building workforce management and payroll software for gig workers and 1099 workers across the United States. We cover the founding of GigWage, the importance of embedding banking seamlessly to solve human problems, and the constantly evolving future of work. I hope you enjoy our interchange. Craig, take me all the way back. Like you've been doing this payroll thing like since the beginning, like even at ADP, like as your first job. So take me, yeah. take me back through your like at least the thumbnail sketch of kind of your sure. your career history. Yeah, man. I uh, it's funny. I, I you know things always make sense. You know hindsight when you're looking back at it. But yeah, no. Uh, 2008, I believe I started ADP. It was a services company, so payroll services, delivering checks and like straight up. People faxing in, emailing, and calling in their their payroll hours, and uh, it was very much a services behemoth. Uh, make no mistake about it. Um, but as one of the top sales professionals, I ended up selling the first cloud-based product at ADP called ADP Run. And so it was, you know, it was then that I saw the democratization of getting people paid. And I don't think I said it as eloquently back then, but uh, I was fascinated by what you know introducing this cloud-based technology did for my ability to sell. Um, and so it was kind of at that point I spent, decided to go all in on payroll technology. And so I spent the rest of my career just really chasing this uh, infatuation I had and this love that I had for helping people get paid. Um, and so I learned everything I could about payroll technology, uh, adjacent, you know, um, kind of ancillary things around payroll, which is everything, uh, HR, timekeeping, credit, you know, anything. And then the underlying technologies that powered them. Uh, until I discovered Silicon Valley. And I was like, okay, we need to introduce that to the payroll world. And uh, that's what kind of got me on this journey and, uh, you know, got me to start this company seven years ago. I love it. Was was there something in your youth that you look back at that's like a seed of, like, were you a three-year-old trying to like run payroll or like, did you have like an entrepreneurial kind of <laughs> bug as a kid? Were you, were you some eliminated or anything? Uh, I was a hustler for sure. I was always selling something or trying to do will and do some kind of deal. Uh, but yeah, I, I've, I've kind of done the introspective thing and look back and it's, it comes down to money. Um, I've always been fascinated by it. Never had a lot of it growing up, but I was just, I just like money. Uh, and then, you know, at 14 or 15, I, I got my first job and I, you know, I always tell people I lettered in two sports my freshman year in high school and I was in all honors classes and I did a lot of the extracurricular things you do in high school, but I also managed to work 30 hours a week because I just liked getting paid. Um, and so I think for me, that's probably been uh, the thing that I can tie back to is just, I just, I just love money and not like, oh, I, I mean, I'm making a lot of it and all that too, but just, I just like the concept of currency and exchange and value. Um, um, and then, you know, as you start to study it, you know, what that can do for your time and your family and all of these types of things. And so, 
I think the the constant for me or the common denominator is just money. Um, and so I figured the more people I can help get paid, maybe the more I can get paid. Economic freedom is a powerful thing, man. I love that you're open it about is. it too. I think a lot of people in fintech are like, I do this for this community yeah. or, you know, I do this for the, it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's rare that you actually hear somebody admit like I do it because money, you know? And yeah, there's like a socioeconomic yeah. pieces and societal pieces of that. But like, let's be real. Sure. Money is important yeah, in this yeah. economy in which we live. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the multiples, right, if you say you're a financial services company, you get a great multiple because it's money. But if you say you're a fintech, ooh, you get a real multiple, right? And, 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 and all of these people who are talking about, you know, impacting underserved communities and all of the, the mission driven stuff, which we, we have that too, uh, make no mistake about it. Uh, they, they know what game and what sector they've chosen to play in and they've chosen it for a very specific reason. That is that is a fact and a beautiful transition into this this bearded fellow that we also have on the line, <laughs> Ethan, one of your early investors. So, Ethan, give me a little bit of your background. Yeah, so my background. So, I was an operator for a long time. I, I started a company in 2008 called Give Forward. We helped pioneer the the crowdfunding space and built up the first medical crowdfunding platform and did that for about eight years. Helped people raise about 200 million on there. Um, and then transitioned into investor role, helped launch Techstars LA. And then the last two years was was launched uh, Techstars Western Union program, which was a fintech program. And I think we got lucky with, with Craig, you know, just like timing wise, um, you know, in terms of like getting into the program. Ethan, you had what you were um, you were a director or an MD in Techstars for like over over three years. I Four think. years. Four years. Four years. So that's at least forty companies, probably fifty that you invested in that came through your program that you know in and out and you joined one. What is it about? I mean, I guess we all, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. have a soft I, spot I, for Craig, but like, what is it about gig wage that really pulled you in? Yeah, there was, there was, you know, three or four different things. First, you know, there's Craig, like you've never heard anyone introduce Dallas the way he introduced Dallas. Right? <laughs> right? Like, like Craig is a unique beast, right? He's just a special person. The second piece was, was impact. Right. So I came from the impact world. I came from um, a world where we were helping people raise money for their loved ones, medical expenses. And I've always, you know, all the companies I invested in, in tech stars, about 40% of them were doing, you know, something in financial inclusion. Right. So that, that, that has a, a big piece of my heart right there. You know, and when Craig was pitching me originally, or not pitching, you know, I was talking, we were talking, you know, he's telling me about the future, the vision of this company of like being the bank of the gig economy. And, and I'd heard so many pitches of, you know, neobanks, everyone wants to be a bank. And, you know, you know, because being, being a bank is a good business, right? Yep. It's not bad being a bank, um, but it's hard, right? There's a lot of people out there and it's hard to become the bank. Customer acquisition is expensive. And, and this was the first time I'd heard a pitch with payroll as a wedge that was really, really interesting. And I was like, huh, I, never, I mean, I never heard of, I never heard that. And I was like, I was like, this is, this is possible, right? So like we could start with payroll and build on all these other financial services on top of it. I know the two of you probably too well to be doing this interview without setting the stage a little bit better because I just want to go into all the details of everything that Ethan just said. And I haven't even asked you the question, Craig, what is gig wage? So let's yeah. like go, let's go back and start from that. What is gig wage? What was the founding thesis? Like tell it, tell us that piece. Yeah. So, so we spent like two and a half, two, two and a half years trying to do a different payroll thesis. The the pivot came when I read this article from McKinsey about the global independent workforce, aka the gig economy. No one had said they were going to be the payroll company for the gig economy. 
Hmm. And I was like, I was like, that might be it. Right. Like, you know, Uber was kind of had reached maturation and Lyft and everybody was talking about the DoorDashes and, and Grubhubs of the world. Uh, and all of these companies were raising tons of venture capital and building out all of their own infrastructure primarily, right, or partnering directly with banks. And I, and I thought there was a services opportunity to be the payroll company for the gig economy. And so that was really the original idea was, can we help businesses pay contractors, freelancers, and any kind of 1099 worker? We started as the payroll company for the gig economy as a wedge into now becoming the bank of the gig economy. But what we are is, is, is very much payment infrastructure for you know, the modern workforce. There's a lot of hype in this space, right? To your point, uh, there, there's all this similar to what we were seeing back in the day with Uber and DoorDash and Lyft and, you know, the, that whole piece of just in creating these opportunities to make money. Now it seems like this hype is pivoted to how do we get them paid, right? And how, uh, how do we be the bank for this gig economy, like you said? But there's other folks that are coming at it from this B2C angle. Have you thought of, the infrastructure as the go-to-market from the beginning? Like, have you always thought like we want to be that back end or in the early days, were you ever thinking like, we want to be the B2C like bank for the gig economy? Yeah. How did that start? No, it was never B2C. Uh, that was the thing we avoided. That was the thing. And when we pivoted, I saw like everyone was trying to get services directly to the workers. And the unique insight that we had was that this is, um, it's an important part of your workforce, but it's a unique part of your workforce. And ultimately, it should be viewed as a part of your workforce, right? For our customers, this is the vast majority of their workforce. So wouldn't it make sense that you have some workforce management infrastructure in place for these people that do work for your company? So instead of everybody going directly to the gig workers, freelancers, and contractors, which makes sense because of classification and all of that stuff, our unique insight was, hey, this is a part of your workforce. Let us help you pay and manage these people. Um, and so once we started doing that, we thought about it as basic payroll at first, but again, then we realized you needed to be able to pay people quickly and, and, and instantly and on demand. And, you know, and then once we started the headless banking boom, it kind of happened, right. Where everybody was trying to embed banking into some company or some app. Well, we kind of did it to ourselves. Once we embedded banking into our payroll and payments application, that's where the infrastructure vision kind of came to, right. I was like, Oh, wait. If everybody's doing all of these transactions, there's no infrastructure in place. People don't have a like when you you could talk to 100 companies and they're all paying their contractors 100 different ways. Right. So what that tells us is there's no infrastructure for it. People are duct taping it and piecemealing it together. You talk to a million contractors, they get paid a million different ways. Uh, you ask them, how do they pay for their benefits? They pay for it a million different ways. Where do they get credit from? And so there's just no infrastructure and once we started looking at embedded banking and like really powering how money moves, we were like, ah, infrastructure play all day. Right. And it's still we still have an application layer for sure. Right. We've got a lot of market education to do. We've got a lot of continued building to do. But all of these transactions, that four point five trillion has to happen somewhere. Why not us? So talk to me about the the integration. And I don't know how much time Ethan spending on this versus you guys kind of together on the strategy of this, but digging into it. I mean, it seems like one of the things that you've tried to do is make it so easy. It hurts to be able to sign up for and integrate with GigWage and coming from an infrastructure background myself a little bit with bond, I know the pain to making things easy. Uh, so what is, what has that been like to make that 
to get to the point where you're at with this integration, how do you do the integration? Kind of like educate some folks on that if they were maybe wanting to sign up with GigWage to help pay sure. folks. Sure. So one of the things about it, right, <clears throat> it's kind of like we eat our own dog food, right? So we start off with a web application. And so you think about payroll, you sign up and you pay people. Um, so for us, we because the infrastructure doesn't exist, we've got to be able to meet people where they are. So for small and medium-sized businesses, and even some large kind of legacy businesses, a lot of them interact with GigWage through a web application. The businesses do. We talk about the 10 and the 10,000. So the 10 people responsible for paying the 10,000. They will log in and they have access, teams, permissions, a lot of that kind of enterprise-grade technology that you would want um, through a web application. Uh, and then over time, what we realized were a lot of people wanted to own their own experience and automate. And so we also have you know, really comprehensive but simple API documentation for developer-first organizations to, um, you know, consume our API. Um, you know, now we're at the point where you can completely embed our API and run an end-to-end process, not only for the 10, but also for the 10,000, and nobody ever has to know we exist, um, right? And so, so that's a really powerful piece, and we're continuing to build out on that. Um, and that's really where we're at in the transition stage now, as we look at different partners and uh, different providers to integrate with is really building out the robustness of our API so that it can be direct to consumer. We can kind of go the distribution channel, two-way integrations, et cetera. Uh, but it's still important to meet people where they are, right? you got what I call middle America companies that are contract powered by contractors. They're never going to consume our API. <laughs> and they need, they're, they're going to log in and they're going to want to do, you know, custom CSVs and all of this kind of stuff. That's all a part of infrastructure too. Um, and so we're just meeting these people where they are and bringing them what they need to compete in a modern work economy. How do you build the the cultural scaffolding and like the the why scaffolding inside of the company when y'all haven't even met? How do you go about kind of conveying that why, getting everybody running in the same direction and building a culture that kind of has that rallying cry when you can't even meet somebody in person? Yeah, I'll let Ethan take this because coming from Give4, where they were, I think, an in-office kind of pretty localized startup to running a global. One of the things I loved about Ethan coming in was he, he literally ran a global accelerator virtually. Yeah. Right. So hundreds of mentors, hundreds of investors, 10 uh, companies from all over the world. He literally ran that virtually. Um and then, so coming into Gigways, we, I don't know if you remember, Ethan, we had the conversation. Ethan was like, man, last time I was really an operator, you know, we were all in the same office. So this, this virtual thing is going to be interesting. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You literally just ran a global accelerator virtually and managed corporate partners. And, you know, and, and I think it, it was an interesting kind of moment for both of us. Um, but I think, you know, Ethan's had a big hand in that now. So it'd, it'd be, I'd, I'd let him take this one for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, and the funny thing about running the last program that was global, it was, I think, you know, from a, you know, where, where the companies will end up, you know, on exits and on a balance sheet, you know, one day, um, probably the best program in, in my four years at Techstars. And, and that's in part because of all the same dynamics of like what, what the world looks like today. You can grab talent from anywhere. Yeah. Like, like we had a lot of people who, would, who wouldn't be able to come to Denver before because of families and whatnot you know, like come through the program. And so we got really amazing companies. And, and I think that's true of, of GigWage right now. We're getting really amazing talent from all over the place. 
And a lot of this stuff that we're doing, I think comes down to a couple of things. One is communication and repetition. Um, we spent some time in the beginning defining some of our core values. We spent time defining our purpose, all these things that Craig sold me on that hadn't been articulated, mm. like codified, right? They, he knew him in his head, like, there's a reason I joined the company, but like we hadn't articulated them or codified them. And so we spent a little bit of time on that at the beginning. And then repetition of the things that we are solidifying, right? Those, those, you know, the purpose, vision, values, the plan. And I think that, you know, it comes down to communications and, and it's not easy. I don't think we have it mastered by any stretch of the imagination. We're constantly trying to get better at that and improve on that and figure out how as an organization we can be most aligned from our investors to our, to our leadership team, all the way down to our interns. And so that everyone's rowing in the same direction. And, and it's something we talk about weekly, like saying, Hey, you know, we're making this big shift right now. It's going to come down to communication. So it's, it's nothing we've solved yet. And I think it's the same thing as every startup, but it's something, you know, we're, we're working on every single day. What are the corporate values? What, what are the, the values that you codified through that process? I'd love to love to hear them. Yeah, I can tell you, or, or Craig could tell you, but I mean, the first, the first one, you know, was, so we did, you know, and this is unusual, right? We started off with just two values. We didn't want to have a long list of values. Like values are only as good as, you know, to the point that you live them. Yep. If you don't live them, people get jaded. What's the point of having them? So we said, let's start with two that we feel good about. And, and as we feel good that these are organic, these, that they aren't aspirational, we're going to continue to add more, right? And as we were building our team from six to 25, we wanted to have, you know, the rest of the team contribute to these as well, right? So, so we started off with just two. And the first one was lead with empathy, mm. um, which is everything that we do, right? And it's easy. We think about that from all aspects of the company, but it's easy to think about it from, from the aspect of the end user, right? The end user might be someone who's living at the margins, like struggling to get by. And, you know, one bad thing happens to them you know, car breaks down, kidneys, you know, to go to the hospital and all of a sudden they're in a bad place. And so trying to view the world through the lens of empathy, whether it's for our users, whether it's for our customers, whether it's for our employees, vendors, every single stakeholder is the very first thing that, that drives this business. Yeah. Um, the, the second is um, move with commitment. And when, when, we, when I invested in, in GigWage, GigWage was a six-year-old company. And there are not many tech stars companies. I never invested in a company at the tech stars stage that was six years old. Right now, we're at the Series A level. Um, but Craig had been at GigWage for a while. Like, whereas most people would have bolted long ago, right? Like, smart people, like lots of opportunities. Craig was committed to this thing. And, and, and when we say like move with commitment, we don't mean you have to be committed to GigWage. What we mean is you must be able to commit to something in your life, whether that is your craft, um, whether that is something outside, you like to do marathons, right? The ability to commit and be disciplined and focused around something to get us to a place of excellence. Um, and, and so we don't say you, you got to be committed to gigways, that'd be crazy, but you got to be able to commit to something and, and, and be great at that. So what are you two committed to? The, th the thing that I can do that is best for the people that are in my world, in my ecosystem is be the best version of myself, right? If I'm the best version of myself, if I'm committed to that, that means I'm a great father. That means I'm a great husband. That means I'm a great CEO to the company. That means I'm a great steward of 
my investors capital. That means I'm a great son, what, you know, whatever it may be. And so for me, that kind of self-improvement and that excellence that, that Ethan kind of talked about striving towards as an organization, I, I look, that's what I think about personally. Like I'm, and so when I sign up to do something, albeit, you know, whether it be a task or, you know, some big strategic play we have, I'm committed to it. Um, and I'm committed to doing it at the highest levels. Uh, and, you know, for me, the biggest one and the obvious one is building this company. I know you guys have payment optionality as a big part of the product. And that includes like, things like ACH and kind of standard ACH, slightly quicker ACH. What are the pieces of infrastructure that like you think are still necessary to get gig wage even further? Like, do you think that RTP or something like that is going to give you guys like a 10x step forward? Or do you think it's more a matter of just like executing on the plan you have? Like, are there policy pieces, regulatory pieces that you think will help you over the next, I don't know, 10 years? Yeah, the, the the piece, I mean, yeah, RTP is great, faster payments in the UK, all that good stuff. I think those are table stakes. Um, I don't think they give us 10x anything. Uh, but top two that come to mind for me, and it'd be interesting to hear Ethan's take on this, but I think it's international uh, and then the consumer banking piece uh, with, a, you know, again, a caveat of crypto somewhere down the line. But Ethan, what's, what's your perspective? My perspective is what you kind of said is like, I think 2020 was a banner year for, for gig wage and all these things came together, like both macro and micro to set us up to a point where if we go out and execute, we can ex we can go kill it. Right. So, you know, the startups don't grow by 200% a year, 200% a year, 200% a year, 200% a year, and you become a unicorn one day. Like very few startups are like that more, more often than not, it's you grow a couple hundred percent a year and you have a big, huge giant leap 10 X year. And so you unlock these things and we're at that inflection point right now. And I think, you know, it talks about Craig's doing this for seven, you know, going on six, seven years. And like, we built up this huge, huge experience in the SMB. And, and over time, we've built up bigger and bigger customers and we've unlocked bigger and bigger customers. And, and to the point that, that now we can unlock these giant deals and, you know, we're in the room for these giant deals because no one else out there is building for 1099s. And you'd be surprised at like the, the, the mom and pop shop who's duct taping bubblegum and the, the big old corporation who has to figure out how to pay 1099s because there's no, no thing designed for paying 1099s, they're doing duct tape and bubblegum too. And so the fact that we are in these conversations with big enterprise is I think the thing that a lot will allow us to 10X um, really quickly outside of a specific technology piece or something in the stack. It's, it's just unlocking a bigger customer because the need for them is so great and no one else is doing this. And it's so multifaceted, right? I mean, recently I had uh, Trent Bigelow, who's the CEO of Abound and a very good friend of mine and actually was in Fountain City FinTech, the first class shout out. Um, but there, even just the idea of tax withholding, right? Like that in and of itself is this huge problem that needs to be solved. And you guys are talking about this thing that's even more like overarching on top of that. So yeah, yeah. like that, Trent, Trent's great. I know Trent well, been in the offices in San Francisco. Like for us being that infrastructure play, and it's part of his business model too, right? Like, but that would be a piece to the equation, right? That could sit on top of our rails, interact with our, you know, contractors, et cetera. Uh, and, and shout out to Trent too. Uh, I, I heard he had a good call with our my, my uh, chief of staff 
the other day about uh, outside initiative he's working on that I think is pretty cool for the 1099 economy. Um, but yeah, man, like it's comprehensive. That's why I said we are the most comprehensive and complete end-to-end solution in the gig economy because you could build big businesses off of just sections of this thing. And so our bet is that those sections intertwine and interact and get built on top of gig wage at scale. Yeah, it's like the new version of Go West, young man, is rebundle, young man, rebundle. (laughs) (laughs) We unbundle to rebundle, we rebundle to unbundle. I hope you enjoyed this interchange with Craig and Ethan from GigWage. Interchange was founded inside a bond to benefit the developers, product owners, and executives at brands working inside the next generation of financial services. We hope that you're learning, enjoying, and maybe even laughing along. We love this world and we're passionate about every piece of it. Let us know what you'd like to learn more about, who you'd like to hear from, and what's getting you out of bed in the morning in this wild world of fintech in which we live. If you'd like to learn more about Bond, please reach out. You can get a hold of me at Zach at Bond.tech. Let's start a conversation. Check out the show notes and the Bond blog for a deeper dive if you're still listening and just can't get enough. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and a rating in your favorite podcast app. Until our next interchange.